Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Okay, today I want to share with you something that I, I feel like is so needed today in the body of Christ. It's needed in the world. I mean, everywhere you go is needed. And this is the fact that Jesus Christ has come not just to get us to go to heaven. He came to the earth and his ministry is still here to restore lives. He's big into restoring lives. And again, we, we normally think of, oh, he's going to make me where I quit sinning. That's a restoration for sure. You know, and when I, when I go to church, I say, you know, do this and that, and I'm going to go to heaven. But it's, there's so much more than that. And God's interested in so much more than that. Even just that would be amazing. It'd be worth it to serve God just for eternal life. I mean, think of what he's done for us. He, he didn't want us to live apart from him and be punished. And so God sent his son so that we would be able to be saved. I mean, it's only through what Jesus did that we can have our sins forgiven. There's no other way. And I've explained that before, why that's that way. God loves everybody. And there's only one way that would have worked for him to forgive man. There's only one sacrifice that was that valuable. But again, he loves you so much. He doesn't stop there. He's got so much more for you than just getting you saved to go to heaven. He wants to restore your life. He wants to restore your soul, the, what's deep on the inside of you. He wants to heal your pains and work his work inside your heart. And he wants to make you whole. So when we come to God, we come, we come all messed up. But the problem is sometimes we come to God and we're still messed up. That's just not God's will. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is Jesus talking about why he came here. It's his, it's his mission statement. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. God has come upon me to get something done. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I love the acceptable year of the Lord right there because, I mean, it's like this is the time. It's like, okay, whatever's happened in the past, let that be over. Let's just have a new start. Let's have a time when God's favor is just going to shine on you. And really, that's what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our year of jubilee every day, right? What he's done for us, we can enter into every day. We don't have to wait 50 years and say, you know what? We've paid for our sins. We've paid for our mistakes. Praise God. You might have to walk through some things where you've made some bad decisions, but God's forgiveness is now and God's restoration is now. And once you come back to God, God's wanting to get you back on the right course. Look at this that he says is his mission statement. It is really amazing how many of these points are all about the human condition on the earth, not just in heaven. He's talking about what people are going through here. He's talking about the poor. He's talking about the brokenhearted. He's talking about people who are 
captives or enslaved to various things. Recovery of sight to the blind, I'm sure that's not just talking about physically. People who need insight, people who just don't see. That happened a lot with Jesus. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. I mean, this is really, really powerful. And what it shows you is, first of all, God sees your pain. God sees, it gets his attention. And secondly, he is moved to do something about it. He anointed Jesus to fix problems. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Jesus is still here today, right? So whatever Jesus has, was anointed to do, he still does through his spirit in the earth, through the revelation of his word, through people that will share the gospel and pray for others, that help bring this revelation to others. He still does his work. And he said this, he said, what I have done here in the earth, this work is going to continue when I'm gone. In fact, it's going to be done even to a greater extent. So God sees our pains. He's moved to action. And what does he do? He heals. He removes the pain. He removes the strongholds. And he makes us whole. Think about that. Jesus doesn't leave you sitting in pain and misery or burdens or in strongholds. He comes and he doesn't just say, oh, I can't wait till you get to heaven because you're finally going to get set free. I just hate to see you down there with all those troubles. No, he comes and he invades our lives down here because he wants to make us completely whole. And this is something that you have to get in your heart. You have to get in your mind because I even believe when I say these things and you pay attention and you're listening and, and your faith is ignited, what you're doing is act, actually connecting to something from God and the hope that he's bringing to say, I'm going to set you free from something. Maybe you didn't even know you had something. Most of the time we know we've got something wrong. There's a guy just started coming to our church recently. Uh, he's a mechanic. The thing about cars is sometimes you can recognize something's not right with the car, but you don't know how to fix it. And that's me. I mean, and I'm, I'm so particular about it. Like if the car's not idling right, it, mess, it bothers me. And I, I try to do a few little things to fix it. You know, if I can't fix it, what do I end up doing? I end up taking to somebody who knows what they're doing that can really fix it, right? And you see, we don't know how to fix ourselves. If we could, we would, we would have already done that, you see, but we can't do it. People just can't fix themselves. We might recognize there's a problem, but we can't fix ourselves. We have to go to God. We have to let God do his work, and we've got to let that healing power start to work on the inside of us. Now, you remember Jesus said this? He says, I came to give life and give it more abundantly. He had to have this in mind. Think about it. Remember, he's, he just he says in Luke 4, I came to heal people. I came to deliver them. I came to bandage up their wounds, right? I came to comfort the brokenhearted, etc., etc. And then he says somewhere else in John, he goes, I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. Those two things are so connected. You see, we can try to praise, and, I, and 
Again, we can find life in praising the Lord for sure. But we can praise God. We can rejoice. Thank God for that. But that's not all that God wants to do. God doesn't just want us to continue rejoicing always in pain. He wants to heal that thing. He wants to make us whole and he wants to deliver us. That is such a, a powerful, powerful statement that Jesus has made. So right from the get-go here, I want you to recognize Jesus sees your pain. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what you've been thinking. He knows what you've been wrestling with. And not only that, he knows exactly how to fix it. That's amazing. He knows how to ordain your steps to get you in the right place to get it fixed. You know, God is so amazing. And if you just turn toward him, he so desires to reach into your soul and to fix whatever's not right, to fix whatever's hurt, to fix whatever's messed up or confused. God so wants to get into your life. Don't just think it's for way out there. No. One of the problems of the church world today, we've made church about having a good little encouraged, encouraging message or maybe even feeling something in service. And I just want to say God is bringing us to the place now where he's teaching us again how to go to Christ, how to, how to experience him again, and how to have his life in our life, how to partake of him. I mean, didn't he say, look, you've got to feed on me if you want this thing to work. And yet we go, you know, we just think it's a philosophy, you know, and we just go to church and hear that. No, God's like, I'm going to bring you much deeper than that. You need to have your soul ministered to. You need to connect with me. You're made to connect. And that's another point I'll just share here too. You know, one thing that we need for our souls is to get all this mess out, get these things figured out, right? But beyond that, we're also made to function with the relationship with God. So those two things have to come together. Sometimes one is hindering the other. We can try to follow the Lord, but all this stuff that we have on the inside of us actually can impact our relationship with God. Somehow, if I feel rejection, I might feel it with God. You know, you know I, I, I might have come to the Lord and He's a lot better, but I'm, I haven't in, tasted of His love yet. And so, you know, I'm still acting like where I've been in my past, you know, from my pains and my hurts and wounds. That made me think of a story like and I've, that I've read, and I think it's probably the story of many foster children who have come from bad situations, and they finally get into a great home with guardians or parents that really love them, and they start showing them love. The, the parents will say, man, we love the child so much. We wanted him to do so much. We saw him so much potential there. Oh, and he had this and this, and but... When he's come, though we do that, though we provide for him, though we love him and tell him how, how great he is or whatever, every day you can see the rejection, you can see the pain, you can see that the, the child at first can't receive it, right? And so though he's there in the environment with the new situation and it's around him, it hasn't impacted his heart yet. And then the transformation, most of these guardians or parents will tell you, began to happen when the love began to sink in and the child began to realize, I'm loved, I'm cared for, I'm special. 
you see? And so what I'm saying here is we've got to have our issues dealt with to even experience God the way we should. In fact, I would say you will meet God in the middle of your pains in a unique way. You will not meet him in any other way. The Bible talks very frequently about things like God is close to the brokenhearted. God is near to the one who has pain. What he's saying there is, if you will come to God and bring your pains to him, bring your disappointments to him, it touches his heart and his presence comes close to you and you have a unique encounter with him because somehow you broke through just walking about life, you know, going back and forth and you decided I've got to pour out my soul to God. You see, when you take your pains to God that way, there is a unique meeting with you that God has. He loves to meet with the brokenhearted. He loves to meet with those who are bringing their pains to him. And he says, I'm there with them in a special way. And I'm telling you, I have had some of my greatest encounters with God when I was in some of my greatest pain. God did heal the pain, but I encountered him in the pain. And when I was in that pain, looking for God, pouring out my heart to God, man, what a comfort came. So here I am. Many times in life, crying out to God with my pain, with whatever I've gone through, and bringing it to God, uh, and, and then that being overwhelmed with comfort. I can't tell you how many times I've been in life where I would go through a situation like that, go to God, and when I come out of my prayer time or, or my time of connecting with God, I still might have a problem. I still, still might have situations to work through. But I've been made whole on the inside. Something's changed on the inside of me. And I'll even be aware of it and go, wow, something happened on the inside of me. God did something to me. And you see, God can do it through prayer. Just something happens. Sometimes he'll give you instruction of what you need to do to get free from something. He'll, he'll tell you what you need to stop doing. He'll tell you need to, what you need to start doing. He, I mean, it's just amazing. But the whole key, the whole key just starts with connect with God. Know him. Bring your pains to him. Cry out to God because he loves to meet with people that are going through issues that have deep things in their hearts that need to get dealt with. And I'll say this too. A lot of people, um, I'd say almost everybody has some deep need that get, needs to get met unless God's already met it. Everybody. Sometimes we don't like to think about it because we're thinking, oh, that brings me down all the time. That weighs me down. I don't want to think about that. It's just going to get me in a bad attitude. Don't even bring that up into my mind, right? Why is that? Because if it comes to your mind, it's going to trigger pain where? Here. Do you know that what that means? This means it's here, but you're having a disconnect between here and here, so you don't experience that pain and make it alive all the time, right? And so many people take their pains, and they want to pretend like they're not there. Oh, don't even bring that up. Oh, don't even want to think about that. Don't even say that. You see, God's not like that. God is the opposite of that. God says, bring that right on to me. I want you to go there. And I'm not going to leave you there, though. But you're going to have to bring it out. It might be painful when it's coming out. But as it begins to come, watch what I do if you'll pour it out to me. 
You see, if you want to get free, if you want to be helped, you have to be willing to go there. And you've got to be willing to pour out your heart to God in prayer and connect with Him. I guarantee you, Jesus Christ is still alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still completely healing broken hearts. He is still mending souls. He's still going into the depths of who we are and straightening things out because we're all messed up in some way until we come to Him. He loves to fix things. And I just love that about God. I'd hate to just be in a Christianity that all I can tell people is, hey, give your life to the Lord and you get to go to heaven. You know, well, praise God for that. But I am thrilled that I'm able to preach the message of salvation all the way to the depths of the soul that is in this life. Man, that's so great. Now, let me just mention a couple of words here that's in that verse. One of the verses says, uses the word oppressed. He sets at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, that word oppressed means downtrodden. It could Some translations use that word instead of oppressed, but it means downtrodden, beaten down, heavy, weighed down by life, weighed down by burdens, worries, concerns, pains, difficulties, or the like. So many people are downtrodden today. They've just gone through life, and life's been hard. When Jesus said, come to me, come to me, you who are weary, right? I believe this was included with their weariness. And if you go through life, I mean, man, we all have trials. Sometimes it just seems like you're, we can be trudging in one thing for so long, for so long. And Jesus is like, you know what? I understand that. People get weary. They're worn down. They're downtrodden. They have a weight on them. And he's, he goes, man, that touches my heart. I want to fix that. Come to me. Watch what I'll do. The, another word which I've already spoken about is brokenhearted. He says there, there's so many things that can make us brokenhearted. I mean, I could go around the room, but nobody would want to share, right? Unless, unless you've been healed, right? And then, hey, I was brokenhearted once, just one time, just once, just once. There can be so many things that make us brokenhearted. Broken re relationships is one of the top, you know, whether it's your uh, family members where you've got broken relationships, maybe a divorce, maybe a child left and doesn't talk to the rest of the family or to the parents, that kind of thing, being betrayed. And that, that can really bring brokenheartedness. If someone you really we're friends with, has betrayed you. Maybe they talked behind your back. Maybe they, you know, you thought that they were close to you, but then they go and they say these other things, sort of like demeaning you behind your back. I mean, uh, that, that can bring so much pain. Having a trust broken, where somebody, you know, you, you entrusted something to someone or, and uh, that, that trust bond was broken. I mean, these things can be so painful. The death of a loved one or a close friend can be painful. If the death of a child super painful just can bring a brokenness to people. Being rejected. I, I heard it, it's been said that rejection is one of the most universal problems around. That almost everybody feels rejected and insecure in some way. Almost everybody feels rejection. And they can tell you experiences when they were rejected by other people. 
where somebody said something, where a group of other people didn't like them or, or they, they felt like they were demeaned in life. Jesus has taken care of that. I mean, so much was done at the cross to provide for your well-being. I love that word where it says that at the cross that your well-being was paid for. In other words, what, it's, what it says there that through the work of the cross, Jesus Christ not only paid for your sins, He paid the price uh, that you might be healed and made whole. He paid the price for your restoration. It's really a powerful thing. Then we see David in Psalm 23. He says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I used to think that word means I don't want God. I remember when I was little, I'd tell my, ask my parents, I asked my mom, Look, why don't I want God? Why does it say the Lord's my shepherd I that I don't want? I shall not want him. I don't understand that. But anyway, it means I shall not, I shall lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, what is this? It's like a, a picture of something peaceful, right? Instead of he throws me in the tumultuous waters. You know, he, he brings a hurricane into my home. No, it's not what he says. The Lord's my shepherd. He's leading me somewhere in relationship. He's, he's leading me into what? Green pastures, places of peace, still waters. And then he says, he restores my soul. I tell you, whenever you go through a hard time and boom, something hits you, this ought to be one of the first verses that you read and you ought to just yell that and say, he restores my soul. Yell it to your situation. Yell it to the devil. Just yell it and say, he restores my soul and this too shall pass. But anyway, so let me get into that verse a little bit. He restores my soul. What's your soul? It's your mind, your will, your emotions, and your heart. All of what's on the inside. Okay? So what does it mean to restore, to make whole, to repair, to make like new? That means that something has gotten hurt, damaged, doesn't function right, isn't producing the way it should, isn't giving the life that it should, isn't fulfilling its God-given function, and it has to be made whole, fixed, restored, right? The person who said that was David, and I'll just tell you, if anybody needed to have God restore a soul, it was David. I mean, you look at what David went through in life, some of it just was from life, just from walking through life. And you know, there's no way you can escape problems. I wish I could go, God, I'm a good person, so I shouldn't have any problems today. I wish I could say that. I really can't say I'm a good person, but I mean, I would like to say, Lord, I'm better than a lot of people. I should have less problems than most people. That's only right. Isn't that right? Isn't that? It doesn't work like that. And you can read about David. He was one of the greatest guys, you know, particularly in his early years. And man, he had one crazy thing happen after the other. The first, I'll just mention a few that, that I wrote down. There'd be too many to write them all down uh, of bad things he went through. But when he's little, the prophet Samuel tells his dad, hey, you know, he's pretty much saying there's going to be something big happening in your house. I want you to get your whole family there. So Samuel prays for everybody, goes, 
I don't feel like the right one's here. I mean, you don't have anybody else. And the dad goes, well, there is that one. He's out in the field. I mean, what if that were you? You know what I'm saying? How did they treat David? You know, most theologians believe David was probably rejected by his father. Could have been the son of, a, of another woman than the other brothers. They, they don't really know, but it's, it seems obvious that he was rejected and was um, seen differently than the others. And then he got rejected by King Saul later. I mean, this is the craziest thing, how Saul, who he was serving with all of his heart, rejected him, wanted to, wanted to kill him. You ever had anybody start attacking you and you go, hey, all I've done is good. Why are they attacking me? Anybody ever had that? Anybody ever have you attack you at work? Maybe if you get a promotion, they want to bring you down for some reason. Then all of a sudden, it's funny whenever you get promotions, that's when a lot of people really start talking and attacking you, right? You weren't so bad before, but now that you, you know, you get a promotion, some people aren't for you like they, you thought they were. Anyway, he got turned on by the ones he served. He cries intensely to the Lord. The Bible shows David crying so hard two times, and he probably cried thousands of times that we don't know about. We got this time, he's running from Saul. He connects with Jonathan, his friend. He cries so hard because his whole life has just been disrupted. I mean, one thing after the other. He's hunted like an animal. He was in constant fear of being killed. He had to leave everything. You know, other things that happened later in his life. Some of the crazy things that happened later. This guy did some things that, where he couldn't say, hey, I've been a good person. I don't deserve problems. He did some pretty bad things too. You know, it says uh, he, he got in adultery. He slept with another man's wife. Then he killed the man to keep from being found out about it uh, because the woman had gotten pregnant. And he did it in what would have been considered perhaps a legal way. Uh, oh, you know, I didn't actually kill him. I didn't do that. I just put him all by himself in a part of the battle, and I had all the other men leave him. But theoretically, he could have won. God could have shown up and delivered him if God wanted to do that. I just put it in God's hands. You know, no, you see, God considered it murder. And sometimes we can legally get away with things and say, well, I didn't actually do this. God looks at the intent of the heart. And God said, you know, you murdered that man. He ran away from God three years of his life because of what he's done. I mean, this man was going through some serious pain. And then uh, Amnon. I mean, man, what a crazy life. One of David's sons raped one of David's daughters. They were half brothers, sisters, half siblings. Wow, that's the craziest thing. And David didn't even know what to do about it. And then one of his sons killed one of his other, the, the son that raped the girl. I mean, oh man, what kind of pain that must have brought. In fact, if you read it, you can just see the pain in David's words when he's talking about that, all that's going on in his family. And I know, you know, all around here, and I, I bet in every one of us in our family, we all have some kind of craziness going on. I mean, I bet we could all talk for a little bit and you've got some kind of pain somewhere that'll come up because of what's happened in your family. Things happen in family all the time, but God is bigger than that. And then you got this Absalom who's David's son and he gets an army together because he's so bitter at his daddy. He gets an army together to kill his daddy and drive him out. And here's David, the king of Israel, going out of Israel, leaving with his tail between his legs. 
uh, because here comes Abs- Absalom. You know, it's more than that even. I mean, it's all crazy, all the things that happened with David. But God restored this man's soul. God restores this man's soul. And I'll just tell you this. If he restores David's soul, when it was going through what he went through and the hardship he went through and the craziness he went through, and it's before Christ, I am telling you, he will restore every single one of us. And wherever we're damaged, wherever we're hurting, wherever we've got issues we haven't dealt with, wherever we've got things we still like to pack down and not bring to the surface, God says he not only will heal those things, he wants to heal them. He wants to connect with us. I love this verse. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He was punished, so to speak. It's almost as if he received punishment that we deserved. And by his stripes, by his wounds, our wounds are healed. I love that verse. Isn't that great? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his wounds and his stripes on his back, we are healed. Now, I just want to mention a few things today about what do you do to get the answer? I really feel like the goal in this hour that Christ has, one of the goals he has is to get people to actually come to him and and discover these things, not just to have them as theories. Oh, yes, God does this, but then we never experience it. You see, there's a way to connect with God and make this happen. There are a lot of things that I could mention today, but I'm just going to mention a few. First of all, you have to realize that Jesus is the answer. You hear that all the time, right? But Jesus is the answer to your deepest needs. He's the answer to your deepest desires, meaning There's something in your life that when you don't have Jesus in that deep place, there's something always looking for something more, always looking for. There's something I'm missing. There's something more, something more. You know, one scientist said we have a God shaped vacuum on the inside of us and it's there pulling you like pulling things in right until we fill it with God that the one that's supposed to go there, the one that can only fill that spot that God's made on the inside of us. So we're made like that. And Jesus is the answer for that deep desire, need for something that you might not have even been able to understand what it was. And on the other side, he's also the answer for your deepest pain. You see, and you've got to believe that this is who Jesus is for you. You see, you have to look to him to be healed. If you think you're going to get satisfied somewhere else, you won't get satisfied in God. If you think something else is going to fix you, you know, and a lot of people, they they want to be distracted, you know, so don't leave them by themselves. I think that's why there's so many suicides in COVID, right? People are having to think, you know, they're not out doing stuff and distracted They're thinking about their lives. It's depressing for a lot of people, you see. But Jesus said, come and drink of me and you'll never thirst. He doesn't mean you won't ever have to drink of me again. But what he's saying is, once you get this in you, you'll know that's what you need. You'll never need something different than that. And you see, people need to learn to come to Jesus. That's more important, you know, than coming to church. Coming to church is important. But you see, Connecting with Jesus is more important than connecting to church, 
you know, it's it's more important than all these other than, than you know, hearing a great message. It's more important than, uh, you know, so many wonderful things. It's the primary thing you need to learn to connect with Jesus. You've got to see he is the answer. Man, if you just would would believe that and learn that if you if you go to God, he will answer all those things that you need to have answered. Secondly, you have to actually come. You can't just philosophically say Jesus is the answer. Jesus is good. Jesus heals. Jesus delivers. You have to go and taste and see that the Lord is good. You got to experience it yourself. Right? So you have to learn to go feed on him. Again, we we read this earlier, but it says, Come to me, all you who are weary, who are weighed down, downtrodden, heartbroken, hurting. And guess what I'll do? I will give you rest. Rest. What's rest? It's the deliverance you need from the stuff that's messing with you deep inside here. You know, I bet if we were to take a moment and just be quiet, and if I were to say, I want you just to look inside just for a moment, I bet it wouldn't take very long before you could unearth a pain or two or three. I just think the longer we sit and think, the more pains you're going to discover. And you're going to realize, I got a lot of stuff in here. It's amazing. And you see, God doesn't want you to go to ignore that. He goes, hey, okay, that's good. If you will now come to me, if you will come and drink of me now, watch what will happen to those pains. Right? You've got to come. Come to me all you who are weary. How do you come? Peter says this, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Or you could say, cast your burdens on him because he cares for you. Or cast your pains on him because he cares for you. You see, Uh, From this verse, we learn something that God doesn't, again, as we've said, doesn't want you to hide these things. He wants you to learn how to actually cast them. In other words, you've got to stick your hands down into that mess. You've got to grab hold of it and be real with it and be honest with it. And he doesn't want you just to start playing around with it, right? He doesn't want you just to start looking at it and getting all mopey. And uh, He wants you to be real and just say, God, here it is. And he says, take it and cast it. It's like taking something and doing this. Going, Ugh, right? He says, cast your cares, your burdens, your pains. Think about what's going on here. You're going to have to go through the process of sticking your hands into your pain being honest with God and pouring it out before God. Keep pouring it. Keep pushing it up. Keep pushing it up until you go, oh, that's the last. He's, he caught it. Cast your cares upon the Lord. 
because he cares for you. You see, that's how we do it. And I'm just, as I've said earlier, you will connect with God in your pain in a wonderful fellowship. He's there. He's there with the brokenhearted. He's there with the lowly. He hears that. There's a special connection. I do want to say this. Don't you go there just to complain and wallow in your problems. That won't do any good. You, you know, if you do that with God, your problems are just going to feel worse. How many of you grew up singing the blues? Anybody? Thank the Lord. I was like, why do you want to why do you want to just revel in your misery? Enjoy your misery. You shouldn't want to enjoy your misery. You know, and sometimes honestly we can do that. We we go to God and we can have self pity. You know, we, we can go to other friends. We don't want to get helped. We want them to feel sorry for us, right? That doesn't work with God. I'm just telling you, don't go to God to get God to feel sorry for you. He always he already is concerned about you. He already, his heart is broken, so to speak, over you. He wants you to be healed, and that should be why you're going to God. God, look at this pain. I'm coming to you because I've just got to bring this to you, God, and I trust you, Lord, to deal with this and just share it with him. Be real with God. That's, that's another thing you have to recognize is when you're praying, you just can't go, okay, God, I've done wrong, I have pain, please heal it. That's not how God wants you to communicate with him. You're going to have to, you're going to have to be real and think through it. And you, it doesn't have to be formal. Just say, God, man, I feel like this. And this happened today. And man, that made me feel like this. And oh, God, why did this happen? Lord, you know, I'm trying to do right. But God, this has produced so much pain in me. God, help me with this. Lord, help me understand. And God, in, while I'm in the middle of it, comfort me and take this pain from me help me oh god maybe you've been through something so bad just learn how to grab hold of that and be real with god it might be so devastating you don't get it fixed in one hour or one day it may take a week it may take a many days of you bringing it before god bringing it before god bringing it before god but i guarantee you god will heal you if you will just walk through the process and go to him and do what he says. So you go to God, you're casting your cares on him and he's showing up. I love the verse in Hebrews 4 two says he's moved by our weaknesses. There are a lot of other little things I could add to this. And I'll just say one other thing quickly. If there's sin in your life, you know, some area that you've given into some people feel like, well, you know, that's just my weakness. And they just think they're going to keep doing that, right? But if there's sin in your life, you have to understand something. Sin damages your soul. Sin damages your soul. That's all in the Bible. First Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you to abstain from the desires of the flesh. What he's saying is, stop sinning. I won't pull away from that. I urge you to abstain from the desires of the flesh, which wage war against the soul. Fleshly desires, they look like they're going to just be the greatest thing. And when you give in to them at that moment, they might be like, you know, the, the, the most wonderful sensation or the whatever that you feel like you've had. And when and when you think about it, you think, oh, I don't know if I could stop that. 
Let me just say, yes, you can. And when you're there and you pull away, if you think about it, you'll recognize soul damage is going on when you give in to sin. Let me explain this a little bit. Imagine somebody who's never sinned their whole life. They grew up in integrity. People didn't sin around them. And then they go somewhere and they go out of the utopian city they lived in. They see somebody lie and they go, man. And then something happens and they lie. They've never lied before. You see, if you've lied many times, you know, you may not recognize that it's messing your soul up. But think about this person. He's never lied before and he lies. What's going to happen? He's going to go. That was so wrong. I'm just that's, you understand what I'm saying? I hope you all can see that. So it's that breaking the barrier into something that was of God, that it broke something. And we can get so used to it, we don't even realize we're damaged. But see, God wants to restore. Jesus said this. He says, sinners need a doctor. I like that. He, he said, the reason I meet with sinners, they need a doctor. Where do they need a doctor? They need a doctor in their thoughts. They need a doctor in their emotions, in their patterns of life, what they've been doing. Because the even the behaviors of people cause them trouble and cause damage on the inside. Stop doing stuff that's damaging you. And then what do you do? You confess and forsake your sins. Um, that's how you get free from them. Psalm 32, 5. Listen to this. When I was silent about my sin, when I was doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing, I didn't confess it to the Lord. I hid it from God. I hid it from everybody else. He says, when I did that, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. My strength was drained. But then I acknowledged my sin to you, God, and I didn't hide my sin. And then you forgave me. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sins doesn't prosper. And he's not just talking about money here. He's talking about your soul health. Whoever conceals or hides their sins, things that, that you know, pet things they've catered to doesn't prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them will find mercy. God will come to the person that says, God, I've messed up. I've sinned. It doesn't matter how big it was or how little it was. God's like, look, don't hide that from me. Bring it out. Get it out of you. If you get it out of you, then I can bring healing. God can't bring healing in sin areas where you still have the sin there. You have to confess it. Get it out. Another thing I think that wounds a lot of people is they get so mad at others and they, somebody will do them wrong and then they won't forgive them. That's the craziest thing. There's so many people today walking around so bitter spirited. This whole, a whole environment of our, of our nations like one bitter thing after the other. And so many people, they feed off of the bitterness coming from other people. What we call that third party bitterness. You know, you just hang around it and you start to get bitter too. The Bible says, uh, you know, be careful about a root of bitterness. You know, don't let it prosper lest it defile many. It's just like being there, it ends up just spreading and catching to other people all around it. And I think that's what's happened to our nation. But anyway, another thing people don't deal with that brings some of the most damage I've ever seen is not forgiving somebody that's done something really wrong to them. You know, and the more you keep remembering it, it's like, why don't you let that go? Why don't you bring that to God, give it to God, and let it go? If you do that, you, you know, the, the, the crazy thing about it is when you're forgiving that person, 
you don't want to do it. You're going, oh, no, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to give away the power to feel like I've got something over them and that they owe me and that they need to see how bad they hurt me. And I don't want to give that up. God's like, give it up. You'll be better off. Give it up and I can heal you. And then finally we go, okay, God. So we let it go. And then when we do that, initially, how many of you have ever forgiven somebody because you knew it was God and initially you didn't feel better? <laughs> Sometimes you, give, you do that and you go, oh, I still don't feel any better. That's because you got to get it worked out of your heart. You've done it. You took the first step. You said that to God, but now you're going to have to work that out because it's going to try to come right back, right? It'll, it'll try to come back in five minutes or five hours or five days. The thought will come back and it'll try to pull you right back in that same attitude. You see, you got to work, work that in your soul. That's that healing coming in. When you get through the other end of it, you go, oh, I'm so glad I did that. I am so glad I walked through that process because I am more free than I've ever been. I see more clearly than I've ever seen before. This is amazing. And I will tell you, you, you see, now what is that? That's just God's wisdom. God says forgive, right? God says confess your sins, right? There's so many things that are in the Word of God. If you just do what the Word says and make yourself do it unto the Lord, you're walking with God, you're doing it in obedience to Him, let me tell you, there is something amazing that happens in that process, right? Getting rid of sins, one thing. Forgiving others is another. And there's so many other things that are in the Word for you. I want to pray for you today. I believe that are, there are so many people who are going through difficulties. Maybe, some, maybe it's in your family. Uh, maybe with your children, your, your siblings. Um, maybe with, uh, your, in your marriage. Maybe some other areas where you have some painful memories that maybe you're holding on to them, actually. Maybe you feel good about, um, I, I feel almost like, uh, you know, the, um, there might be some of you there. You actually feel good, uh, like uh, it's good to feel guilty about this or bad because that makes me feel like I'm responsible or something. And, and God's like, no. You need to let your heart be healed and just let go of it. If you messed up, don't worry about it. If something happened, you just need to let go of it. Just let go of it this morning and let Jesus come in. My, my goal is to bring you to him today, to connect you with him, and let him begin to work in you whatever needs to get done.